This is Will, and you're listening to Two Man Congress. Alright, in our last episode, we talked about the Bill of Rights, and we gave an overview of the history of the Bill of Rights, and we also talked about the first five amendments of the Bill of Rights. So just to recap, uh, the Bill of Rights was introduced in the Constitutional Convention, and uh, the Founding Fathers decided that if a Bill of Rights was not part of the first Congress, one of the things passed as part of the first Congress, then they would not ratify the Constitution. So that's a very brief history of why the Bill of Rights came about. Uh, It came about after the Constitution was ratified and, and then was introduced and ratified in the first uh, Congress. So the Bill of Rights are the first 10 amendments of the Constitution. And in our last episode, we talked about the first five amendments. And just briefly, the First Amendment talks about all the kinds of freedoms that you have, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of press, uh, freedom uh, to protest, or in other words, to petition the government. Uh, And you have all of these things in the First Amendment. Second Amendment is based off of the freedom, the right to bear arms, and the right to maintain a well-regulated militia. The Third Amendment is uh, the right to be protected from quartering, so government can't come into your house and uh, require soldiers to stay in your house. The Fourth Amendment is protection against searches and seizures. Without a proper warrant, and it gives a description of how you are to obtain a proper warrant. The Fifth Amendment is the first of the criminal amendments, unless if you want to argue that the Fourth is as well. But the Fourth can be more general, while the Fifth is based mostly on only criminal uh, rights. And it's also known for the Miranda rights. It's the right to have a grand jury, right to against self-incrimination, Uh, can't be tried for the same offense twice, and so on and so forth. So today we're going to be focusing on the rest of the Bill of Rights, so Amendments 6 through 10. These ones don't seem to be discussed as often as the first 4 and 5 because they apply more to criminal rights, which most people aren't criminals. Uh, But once we get to 8, 9, and 10, there's also a little bit more regarding the Constitution that we can discuss as well. So let's get into the text of the amendments. The Sixth Amendment states, In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed by the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Okay, so there's a lot that goes into this one. Just to list them all out real quick, there, the Sixth Amendment protects a right to a speedy trial, a public trial, an impartial jury. Uh, you're to be tried in the district where the crime was committed, and that's to be drawn by law. The, you need to be informed about what the charges are. Uh, witnesses must be must testify in front of the accused. And then the compulsion of witnesses in favor of the accused is allowed. And so if someone knows that they're wrong or whatever, 
and then counsel for the defense is to be provided. So each of these points have led to several constitutional questions. For example, a public trial implies that the press can be present at a trial, but sometimes the press can be damaging to the trial through intimidation of the jury, or it can be distracting. And so are there ways that we can remove these distractions without infringing on the right to a public trial? And the Supreme Court has gone into several other questions related to questions like that in when it comes to the rights of the criminally accused. So the Seventh Amendment states, in suits of common law, at common law, where the value in controversy shall exceed $20, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved, and no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise re-examined in any court of the United States than according to the rules of common law. Okay, so this amendment is to understand the difference between common law and statutory law. So common law, I'm sorry, statutory law is codified or, in other words, written down law. Statutory law is the list of compiled legislation that has been passed by local, state, and federal governments. Common law, on the other hand, is not codified, in other words, written down, and can be traced back to England. So instead of relying on the rules and statutes from legislation, common law relies on precedent or previous court decisions. So this also talks about the right to a jury and the re-examination of their decisions depends on the precedent that is established by common law. And this goes into a lot of civil procedure and common suits that aren't necessarily related to criminal defense. It can be, but uh, it things that appear to be more civil than criminal. So the Eighth Amendment states, Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. There's a lot of questions that come with that brief statement in the Eighth Amendment. Uh, for the most part, it's pretty straightforward. So discussions about bells and fines have it typically lack controversy, except there is controversy about uh, excessive bell and what number that should be set at, and if there should even be a bell at all. And there are questions about that. The most controversial part about the Eighth Amendment is the definition of cruel and, and unusual punishment. And a lot of questions are related to the death penalty. And these questions can become quite heated about the death penalty. Uh, we won't talk about the death penalty here. We just want to focus on what the amendments are. But that's the Eighth Amendment. So the Ninth Amendment, the text states, The enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Well, so to understand this amendment, the terms enumeration and disparage needs to be defined. So enumeration is a, is the act of listing out things one by one, and disparage is to regard something as having little worth. So the text of this constitution of this amendment is saying it's warning people from saying if oh if a right's not listed in the constitution, then that right's not protected in the constitution. So in other words, the rights listed in the Constitution cannot be used to deny or lessen the value of other rights from the people that are not listed. So historically, the courts have used this amendment to protect the right to privacy, which is not a right actually listed in the Constitution, although it is alluded to in the Fourth Amendment and 
Roe v. Wade tried to use several of the amendments, including the fourth and the ninth, to uh, codify the right to privacy in the Constitution. We won't talk about whether or not that's the right understanding of this text. Uh, so the Tenth Amendment states that power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, or reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So basically, this amendment states that if a power is not given to the federal government, then it goes to the state and local governments, unless the Constitution says the state and local governments can't do anything about these powers. So that's the Bill of Rights. A very brief, very quick overview of what it is, what they do, and why they're important. For me, the Bill of Rights is necessary for the continued success of the Constitution. Because these amendments were ratified, the people have been protected from government overreach several times throughout history. If these amendments had not been passed, our country would be very, very different today. So these amendments are part of the Constitution, and they are not a separate document, and they need to be preserved just like we need to preserve the original text of the Constitution. There's a reason why the Constitution was passed with the promise of a Bill of Rights. It's because both the text of the Constitution is necessary and the text of the Bill of Rights is necessary. And that goes for all the other amendments that have been passed following the Bill of Rights. That's everything for this time. We hope to see you on the next episode and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't our pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice, and with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.